Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everybody, this is Lou Nash. And this is Ella Gordon-Latty. And together we welcome you to the redesign of everything. Where we will be talking to the global changemakers, the designers and the practitioners who are helping to redesign a better future for us all. We'll be giving you not only the inspiration, but also the tools to redesign your world for the better. Design is the single most important force in building a thriving future for us all. A future that's more regenerative, more resilient and more circular by design. So let's share these stories and insights gleaned from our guests at the front line of this transformation. Thank you for being here and for listening, because together we really can redesign everything. Joining us today is Maggie Hewitt talking about the redesign of everything. Maggie Hewitt is the founder of Maggie Marilyn, a global fashion business based in New Zealand. Their mission is to transform the fashion industry into one that is transparent, circular, regenerative and inclusive. Growing up in a rural coastal region of New Zealand, Maggie Hewitt's appreciation to protect our natural world was intrinsically ingrained. Her love for fashion led her to study fashion and sustainability, and through which she pulled back the glamorous curtain of the industry and saw that it needed fixing and fast. Maggie took on this challenge to build a brand that championed transparency, empowered people and made sure the health of our planet was at the forefront of every decision. And she's now a globally recognised leader in this space. Even Vogue holds her in high regard, quoting, if Maggie Marilyn isn't satisfied with her sustainability efforts, then virtually every designer is miles behind. Thanks so much for joining us, Maggie, on the redesign of everything. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honour. <laughs> the honour is all ours. <laughs> oh, thank you. We kick off each each podcast with our guest asking them, you know, one one quick question, which is, what does the redesign of everything mean to you? Oh, such a big question, an important one, though. For Maggie Marilyn, we really envisage an industry where supply chains are transparent, people are paid and treated fairly, clothing is repaired, repurposed or recycled, we're decreasing atmospheric carbon um, and increasing biodiversity uh, through regenerative farming, baseline practices, um, and, and we're an industry where everyone feels represented and accepted and where climate responsible fashion is accessible to the majority, not the minority. Sounds like quite a big transformation, Maggie, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? There's it's all, a lot to do in our industry, that's for sure. That's a lot to do, but a, a great a great aspiration and goal. Totally, and, and mm-hmm. something we're always keen to find out more about is where it started. So we know that you grew up in rural coastal New Zealand, a yeah. place that so many Kiwis have a huge attachment to and that your childhood you know, was spent making the most of our beautiful country. And yeah. we're keen to understand growing up, did you always feel really connected to nature and were you kind of taught to care for the planet from a young age? Yeah, such a good question. It's kind of hard to kind of think back and really retrace your steps 
you know, of, of why why you are the way you are. There must be um, subconsciously growing up in, I think, one of the most beautiful places in the world, you know, coming from the Bay of Islands. Yeah, I, I feel really blessed to, to come from that corner of the earth. Yeah, I think I spent, you know, a lot of time outdoors and my mum is an incredible gardener, so I spent lots of time outdoors with her growing up and I, I think that that all must have had some sort of an effect. But really... To be honest, it, it wasn't until I went to university and sort of this very unglamorous curtain was pulled back of what fashion was truly responsible for from not just an environmental perspective, but a social one too. Yeah, I think that's really where I started to hone in on, on what sustainability looked like in fashion, I guess. I wonder, Maggie, do you remember the first moment that you felt let down by the fashion industry? You know, was there, you know, like I can imagine what you read and what you discovered, but is there yeah. one thing that you just went, wow, this has to stop, this has to end? Yes, no, absolutely. I think one of my first lectures that I walked into was a video playing the horrific truths of Nike sweatshops from the 90s, and I was just, gobsmacked I think I had absolutely no idea that our industry uh, was responsible for all those things so yeah I think that was a pretty pivotal moment for me Mm. and Mm. when you were going through your study how did you go about kind of reconciling that tension between fashion and sustainability also given given that you were studying both as well it wasn't easy to to juggle the two Thinking of fashion as such an inspirational, aspirational industry to be a part of, you know, I think especially growing up in such a remote part of not just New Zealand, but the world, you know, what growing up watching things like Sex in the City with my mom and looking to cities like New York and London and Paris and just thinking how exciting it looked to be part of this incredible industry. So I was so excited to go to university. I studied a fine arts degree and majored in fashion. So it it was really challenging through my first couple of years at university to really understand what our industry was responsible for. And yeah, I think when I when I graduated, I didn't know if I wanted to be in fashion, but I felt this kind of weird pull and responsibility that I'd studied this degree and I didn't want to disappoint my parents. And what was I going to do? Should I go and work for the UN or how could I really be part of this industry that just was responsible for not a lot of good, really, in my eyes? It was a lot of smoke and mirrors. But I think for me... At the time, you know, I was a uni grad and there just weren't that many brands that were really talking about not sustainability. I mean, that was a word that came much later, but even just supply chain transparency or using organic fibers, that that was actually quite uncommon at at an accessible price point, I guess you could say. So I really felt like the sort of entrepreneurial spirit in me saw an opportunity, I guess, to to make a positive impact. Mm. I can really relate to those Sex in the City episodes and the, <laughs> the glamour and the fun. I'm, I must admit, oh. when you when you were reflecting on those moments, I sort of went there myself, Maggie. You know, and just like, oh, that's that's right. We just used to, right. you know, dream away and wear, oh, be frivolous with fashion and oh, yeah, totally. having had yeah. no idea. But I think for me, I could just never reconcile that you know, buying a beautiful pair of shoes or an incredible dress would come at the cost of 
the huge detriment that our industry was causing to the environment mm. or the, the horrific social impacts. So, mm. yeah, it didn't make sense to me. And it actually really shocked me that this was just something that wasn't talked about. It wasn't common knowledge. Mm. It's just we're in such a different world. I remember um, when I found out about when Zara launched and their amazing business model and how they used to talk about that they could turn around an order in seven days in the world, oh, right? So, so, you know, and totally, and we were all like, that's incredible. You know, yeah. I, get, I get a garment. Oh. And yet we sort of didn't even really think about it until we had to be showing it, what that meant in behind the scenes on, on the labour force. And, no, and, totally. And I think it just shows how we live in a society where we just don't question things enough. We really don't question where things come from, and I think that's really changing. Definitely, yeah. Hey, I'm really interested. Can you take us back to when you first conceptualised the Maggie Marilyn brand? Like, you know, do you have that back of napkin drawing? Yeah, good question. Um, I guess so I graduated in... November 2015 so I, I didn't have long off until I was like okay I really need to figure out what I'm going to do I need to make a decision and deep down I'm a creative and I, I still really loved making beautiful things and I was really trying to reconcile the two and on my sketch pad and that just came so naturally to me I would lose hours just sketching on my sketch pad and I thought to myself you know how incredible to make a career out of something but just I loved so much um I just started designing I think I I really look back and I just think oh my gosh I was so naive like who did I think I was but yeah I just started designing had absolutely no idea how I was going to sell a collection I I think my greatest strength is my determination I'm really the type of person that you get knocked down you get back up yeah, I fumbled along. Um, I met my pattern maker who's still with me uh, and he was a really pivotal part of learning the processes of the industry, I guess, so to speak. And yeah, we started. We started making that first collection and, and it all kind of happened after that. Incredible. Mm. And speaking of that determination and, and, you know, you mentioned that you get knocked down, you have to get back up and that also takes a lot of bravery. And it also takes bravery in a brand to publicly undergo changes, you know, and change mm. your model. And that's, Absolutely. Some, that's something that we've seen you do so incredibly. And I'd love to hear more about that. Or could you take us through kind of the changes that you made for those um, yeah, who might not be aware? Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm, I'm someone that's incredibly intuitive. I'm really led by my gut. I think I realised really quickly into getting myself into this industry actually how broken it was you know I knew that the industry was broken when I started Maggie Marilyn in terms of supply chain and manufacturing of the garment mm. but I had absolutely no idea how broken it was in terms of the business of fashion mm. um, and, and how we actually sold clothing and how uh, it all started from the top and trickled down and that's why the supply chain was so broken and I think it's so interesting sometimes you've kind of got to get in there and play the game a little bit to really understand how to change the rules mm -hmm. and make it better and fairer for everyone. Uh, and that was really the process, I think, for probably the first 18 months of starting Maggie Marilyn. The beginning of last year, it just really felt like it was the time to be brave, as I speak about in that video. And I think it, it was definitely a pretty bold decision to pivot our business model to operate entirely direct to consumer. I do really strongly believe 
that that it was and probably will forever be the the single biggest step we take in our mission to becoming circular and regenerative. But, you know, yeah, despite seeing um, pretty amazing global success with our wholesale business, that that business model itself, for me, is is fundamentally flawed. You know, it promotes waste, overconsumption, not allowing end-to-end contact with our customers, which I think would surprise a lot of people. You know, when we were selling in a sex with Av, we had no idea who that woman was that was buying our clothes. And I really, we really believe that that contact with our customers is essential in becoming a circular business. So yeah, this new direction was really a values-based decision. This podcast is delivered to you by Circularity, a circular transformation agency working with a new breed of organizations and change makers to solve the environmental challenges of business as usual. We use circular practices to unlock innovation that is better for both people and the planet. If you're interested in learning more about what we do, head to our website, circularity.co.nz. happen overnight I think that's the interesting thing to try and explain you know it wasn't like I woke up one day and thought oh we're gonna exit out out of all of our wholesale partnerships it was kind of a process of reducing orders and and really getting out of relationships that didn't feel right Mm. and and only working with partners that we felt like we could build a long-term partnership with and then I think we just got to the point where trying to do two things but not doing both of them really that well. So yeah. Really trying to support the direct-to-consumer business whilst also wholesaling. And even just from an operational perspective, not to bore you, but they're very different businesses. So yeah. I think we just thought to ourselves, if we're not really going to get behind our retailers, then let's just do it ourselves and let's just go in our own direction. What was the response from the retailers um, that you were no longer going to be providing garments to them to sell in their stores? Yes, mixed. You know, I don't think that there's a, for, for the really big top tier retailers globally, they don't often have brands that say, we don't want to sell to you. It's usually the other way around, big retailers dropping brands. So I think that they were taken aback, but we had given them multiple opportunities to really step up and educate their customer on our values and shopping more consciously. I mean, for us, it was really a decision of you need to get rid of your first floor that you have. Like, how can we sell in your department store if you still have a whole floor dedicated towards selling fur? Just, I think <laughs> that it was just so challenging, you know, and I think, for us, we talk so much about education, um, and that's why what you two are doing is so important, having this podcast and the people that will listen to it. You know, you don't know what you don't know, and we just really believe that a key part of moving the needle is educating the customer on shopping more consciously and really being able to build that value for them with the garment that they purchase and the brand that they support. So that just wasn't going to happen with our retail partners. So Mm. we just decided to, yeah, forge our own path and be in the driver's seat, I think. Yeah, well, it's it's fantastic. And shifting gear on another initiative, we just obviously saw you launch the Somewhere Collection, um, which is pretty awesome. Um, And and when we read about it, it it talked about the idea that it could be, it's designed with the ability to be recycled and allowed the materials to be kept within a a closed loop and used again. Can you tell... I mean, for a lot of businesses and brands are like, that's the dream. How on mm. earth do you do this? You know, and what's what did you start with? How did you, un, un, you know, make that a reality? 
So somewhere we, we launched at the end of 2019, and I think our timing couldn't have been better. Honestly, somewhere's kind of been the light at the end of the tunnel for me um, with Maggie Marilyn. It was our first foray into direct-to-consumer in terms of it was a line that we created that we never offered to our wholesale customers. And so it really gave me a sneak peek into what we could really do if we owned um, the story and how we sold to our customer. Yeah, it was about a two-year R&D process to create this line um, because it, tra- it was traceable. It is traceable from farm to finish garment. Now our entire brand is. But at the time, somewhere was my first foray into really, yeah, being able to to achieve that. And it took us two years to get there. It was incredibly complicated. I think transparency and traceability now is a, a lot simpler in some ways and more adopted by, by a lot of brands. But at the time, it really wasn't common. You know, suppliers were like, what do you mean? Why do you want to know the farm that <laughs> organic cotton comes from? You know, here's the certificate. Isn't this enough? So, yeah, I actually remember I um, I got an email from a customer and it was just such a light bulb moment. And she said to me, I absolutely love what you're doing and really believe in your values and want to share in those values and what I purchased. But I can't afford your main line. It's, it's just completely out of my price point. And it was interesting to me because going back to before I started, I really wanted to create a brand that was accessible, mm. that, that made sustainability accessible. But through our wholesale journey, these retailers put some serious markups on your product. Yeah. And so, you know, I felt like we weren't actually being transparent with our customer on that. And it was really challenging to me because, yes, we're a brand that obviously wants to show that you can be values-driven and be commercially successful. But we also really wanted there to be value in how much of a markup we were putting on our garments. It was this light bulb moment that, you know, why should sustainability have to be a luxury? It should be something that everyone can afford to buy into. So could we create an essentials line that was um, uh, a more affordable option and our main line was more, you know, these special pieces that you bought once or twice a year. And so that was really how the line was conceived. And so I, you're working back from that, I, I thought to myself, okay, if I'm going to create a line that is accessible, how are we going to ensure that we're just not adding to this overconsumption problem that our industry has? So I started to research circularity, and this must have been early 2018, and it's crazy how far the conversation has kind of developed in our industry, but circularity was just nowhere near as common. I mean, Alan MacArthur was really the first person that I came across that talked about the circular economy, and it all kind of just started to make sense to me, I guess. And so I knew that if we were going to create this line of affordable essentials, that not only did they have to be traceable from farm to finished garment, but we needed to create a product that could sit within a circular system and that obviously the linear-based economy that our industry relies upon uh, is not sustainable in the true essence of the word. So, yeah, somewhere's designed to be circular. So, so all items in the line can be recycled or composted at end of life. Since then, our main line, which is now called our forever line, is also circular as well. But we talk about circularity in that line more in terms of having these garments for forever and sitting within repair. I like that distinction you made, Maggie. Did you end up having to establish global partnerships to be able to deliver that closed system? Because it's really tricky in this country to be able to recycle textiles, right, for reuse. 
Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's why, um, you know, these, these sort of things, they're grueling, you know, they don't happen overnight. It's building partnerships with international suppliers and, and yeah, it takes time. You know, there's a lot of um, doors that you open that don't lead anywhere. And a lot of research that went into creating the Somewhere line and that, that we continue to do within both lines. So, yeah, we're actually opening up our take-back scheme for Somewhere this year so that the intention was always to have a take-back program, but we really wanted to, to delay that by two years from launch. Um, just to ensure that we weren't encouraging our customers to send back garments too quickly. Yeah. But, you know, really knowing that, uh, you know, if you're going to absolutely love your singlet from Maggie Marilyn or your white T-shirt, you know, um, it's going to get some love marks. And probably after two years, you might be ready to send it back and, and purchase a new one. So, yeah, we're really excited to open up our repairs program. Um, sorry, our take back program this year and our repairs program for forever. Incredible, because I think what that's setting up is, you know, there's this massive right to repair movement that is essential in deconstructing this linear model of consumerism. And I love that what you do with your brand and how beautifully you tell the brand story and how beautifully you make women feel, women feel great engaging with repairing Mm. or engaging with buying slowly. slowly. Curious to understand as well, Knowing what you know uh, about creating the Somewhere collection, for example, yeah. do you think it's possible for cheaper brands to follow in your footsteps? Or if you look to the likes of Zara, knowing what you know, is it possible? What do you think will happen next with their plans? It's two-sided. I think the ironic thing with the challenges that our industry is facing is that a lot of the solutions actually need scale. And so I do feel like these these big brands um, do have that mass customer base and and scale to really move the needle, especially when it comes to um, uh, recycling initiatives, you know, textile recycling initiatives, as well as implementing on-farm programs like regenerative farming practices. So I think, though, that there does need to be a conversation around costs. I do believe that it comes back to educating the customer on buying with intention and buying with integrity and that if you're going to purchase something that has actually empowered everyone throughout the supply chain and has not just a sustainable, it's not just sustainable, but actually the the product itself had a regenerative impact on the environment, you, you can't pay $5 for that. Yes, I, it was interesting when we saw H&M launch with all the new smart materials, right? You know, the bio-based pineapple mm. leathers and, and things like that. And I jumped on the, their website as quick as I could just because I wanted to see what it was like and to, yeah. to experience the material. Yeah. Um, and, you know, was obviously there's a few things broken in, in that for them, but um, it was exciting to see that they could actually influence supply chains and the purchase of fabric towards more bio-based, right? And I I agree with you about scale. I think it's really important. Um, I think they're watching what you're doing, Maggie, probably. Oh, thank you. I highly doubt it. But I I think um, there's a balance in there somewhere of not feeding the beast and not encouraging overconsumption. And I think that's definitely something we're conscious of. But at the same time, yeah, you do need scale and you can't go to your merino farmer and say, hey, can we 
implement some better, you know, on-farm practices, but you're trying to order two kilos from them of wool, they're just going to be like, what do you mean? So I do, and I really understand the challenges, I think, because we now have full supply chain transparency through that journey with our somewhere line. We really have partnerships with every tier of the supply chain and understand the commercial challenges for them to achieve these goals around circularity. Now more than ever, businesses are being forced to rethink how they operate. And Circularity is here to help. We run workshops that bring your organisation, industry or community together. You may wish to gain an introduction to the circular economy opportunity, have a masterclass on creative closed-loop systems for your materials, or think about how you can change behaviours, develop circular business models, or even explore potential impact territories for your brand. Our facilitators at Circularity design and deliver immersive experiences that defy convention and demand engagement. You find the time and we will make the most of it. We build capability, unlock new value and co-design an extraordinary future together. Reach out via our website, circularity.co.nz. I was having this debate with uh, another creative, Maggie, and I'm interested to get your take on it. Just leaning into that idea of overconsumption and consumption. You know, so mm. is is the beast our desire to consume or is the is the real challenge our desire to make? Mm. I was actually talking to a designer who has shifted from designing and making clothes to remaking. And, you know, her line is, is there's enough shirts in the world that have been produced, but there's a lot of bad shirts. So I'm going yeah. to take the whole bunch of shirts and I'm going to remake them. And you actually have started to see a few little collections pop up. Maybe other people I, are going to remake with Maggie. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think that they're all absolutely brilliant ideas. And I think we need, we just need more people thinking outside of the box because absolutely we have enough clothing in our system to last us all multiple lifetimes. I think I'm really excited about the technology that is being developed within the chemical textile recycling space. And that's definitely something that we're working towards with our take back scheme, being able to recycle our, our cotton wool garments and remake them into new fabrics because I uh, I think for us pe- people will still want to buy a fresh white t-shirt but that does that have to come from virgin materials moving forward I hope not I think that that you know it would be amazing if we could you know improve the technology that we don't need a mixture of virgin and recycled to get to get the, the quality Right. I think it's all just a balance. The, the, the challenges that, that um, our society is facing and our industry are huge. You know, they really are. But I think that they need optimism. I think optimism is so important. I think you can't achieve something without having the dream and the belief that you can get there. And I think some of our goals seem incredibly audacious. But you've got to put it out there because we need to make it happen. We need change that is bold and fast. So that's really the direction that we're going in. And that was really the shift behind, you know, changing our business model because we don't we don't have 10 years to figure it out. Our, our planet doesn't have that long, you know. Mm, so Totally. Yeah. And when you look out across the fashion landscape, what inspires you? What other brands inspire you? fellow Kiwi, Tim from Allbirds. I think that what they're doing is absolutely incredible and really getting behind 
measurable impacts in product that's created with, you know, being able to measure the carbon of all of their products. But I think that all great entrepreneurs working within the sustainability space realize that no one brand or business can solve all the problems and Mm. challenges that our world or our industry faces and that we need collaboration and that that's absolutely key. Yeah, I have a few different people that I I talk to from various brands, you know, for advice because we're all kind of in it together and understanding what each other's going through. Um, and he, he's an amazing, he's an amazing guy. He's awesome. That's great because it's we often talk about that in doing circular work as the business landscape. No man is an island. It operates like an ecosystem oh, in nature. Absolutely. And, yeah, a rising tide needs to carry everyone, and everyone needs to contribute to the rising tide together. And that's absolutely. something that we've got our yeah. eye on. Is you know, New yeah. Zealand really has an opportunity here just generally in the circular economy and we're keen to understand what you think the opportunity for New Zealand is to create a circular economy for fashion and what kind of still needs to change to make that a reality. It's two-pronged. Change needs to happen at a government level, right? I mean, I think that we we need legislation to move this along at pace, but I also really believe that paramount sort of societal shifts throughout history have happened at a grassroots level. So I do really believe that consumers have a huge amount of power in terms of challenging brands and businesses that they support and buy from. For fashion yeah. specifically, I'm I'm really interested in your thoughts around that resale market and how massive that's become globally and whether you feel like that's a viable option for a New Zealand Um, export brand and particularly for yourself that's direct to consumer you know how would you do resale Mm, yeah I mean it's a really good question and I think honestly it's something that we're not currently giving a lot of energy just because of the age of our brand I guess we're really hoping that when we open up a take back scheme um, we don't expect a a huge flood of of items to come back (laughs) at first I think that you know, this September we celebrate being in business for five years. So I think that especially, you know, it's only really been in the last 12 months that we've started to really solidify our relationships with our customer. And before that, our global retailers really held those relationships. So yeah, at the moment, it's not our primary focus, but I absolutely believe that it, it has a place within within rebuilding our industry into one that is circular. Maggie, if you decide to do a a product as service <laughs> model, I'll I'll rent a pink jacket from you. I've had, I, I had, love I, it. Yeah, or there might there was a green shirt there I quite like too. Yeah, um, I love it. Yeah, so. I actually rentals on the other hand, I don't I don't have a high opinion of rental. The rental. Uh, market to be honest and I'm happy to be proven wrong as sort of more like measurable impact data is released on that business model but I think again it feeds the beast of I'm going to rent a dress for my Friday night out with my friends yeah I'm not entirely convinced and I have heard some stats around the life cycle of a garment when it is rented and sort of impacts of chemical dry cleaning and, and transporting sort of so yeah I think there's a lot to be fine-tuned with that model are you ready to transition your business from linear to circular whether you want to design out waste reduce your emissions or even explore the nature of your sustainability story we're here to help 
Let our circular innovation partners and design strategists guide you towards extraordinary innovative outcomes. Our circular projects tackle your biggest challenges, embed circular thinking into your organisation, connects you to solutions that exist and creates them when they don't. For the benefit of your business, customers, communities and stakeholders. To help build capability, unlock new value and co-design an extraordinary future together. Get in touch today and together let's redesign everything. Head to circularity.co.nz You go. No, you go. Oh, we reached that awkward bit. I love it. Uh, I think sustainability is such a journey and there's no destination and I think I'm Mm. someone that I'm so happy to be proven wrong. It's really important to be fluid and always growing and developing and learning and Mm. challenging ourselves. I think that's something that we really do at Maggie Marilyn is constantly challenge ourselves on what we do and find better ways of doing things because, yeah, there's no destination really for us. It's going to be a journey. Mm. And given that I'm imagining across your customer base, you've got people that are engaging with you as a brand because of that journey and because of how beautiful your clothes are, but more importantly, how sustainable they are. And then some people that might not be so aware of sustainability or circularity, but just absolutely love your clothing. How have you seen your customers respond to you becoming circular? My team and I now actually have a really good understanding, clear picture of who our customer is, which, as I was saying before, um, we didn't so much before. And we've learned so much from our customer And hopefully they've learned from us as well. And I think one of the hard truths we kind of faced with the wholesale model pretty early on is that designing for the person who wears our clothes and designing for the wholesale are actually two different things. Mm. At Maggie Marilyn, you know, we really do design real clothes for for real people. It's exciting now to, to think about all the different women, men and women, that buy Maggie Marilyn mm. and, and the, the change makers that they are and that by creating meaningful relationships with our customers, then we're in a position to actually educate them on what matters to us. Mm. And I think that's been a really pivotal part of the journey. Mm. Um, there isn't a lot of brands in our country that are at the forefront of communicating about circular and leading the conversation. In fact, a number, um, you know, do it behind the scenes, but don't communicate it out and still use a lot of the, I guess what I would probably call the old language. So Mm. to see you lead with obviously a name that we love, which is circularity (laughs) as as part of your your communication is is great to see. I think, you know, we we talk about at Maggie Marilyn wanting to build a business that will be here in 100 years' time. Again, another audacious goal, but I think it's really interesting when you're building something to last, no pun intended, you know, in our clothing (laughs) and our business model. I think that you look at things through such a different lens. And then when we talk about sustainability, we really talk about it holistically and the true essence of the word. How will we actually sustain ourselves over the next 100 years? Not only is rebuilding our industry into one that is circular and regenerative the right thing to do, it is the smart thing to do in Mm. a business sense as well. And I think that's really important. And that's something that maybe hasn't quite cottoned on in our industry yet. We often see as well with people in, who are buying things in any market who may not know about 
circular economy can be communicated in so many different ways. Sometimes people mm, look, absolutely. look blankly and go, what is that? Sometimes you see them having the aha moment and they, they just get <laughs> it. And in yeah. your experience, what is, what's been the best tool or channel or approach for kind of selling the circular economy to consumers? And maybe it's not just in fashion, but in other industries too. Mm, that's such a good question. I feel like for us, it's been, it's a lot what our industry is trying to do. And there are so many, we kind of talk about it in layers in terms of our sort of communication strategy. You know, you have someone that wants to read a report behind the words and they really want to know that, you know, everything that we're saying that we're doing is really backed up and and raw evidence and data. And we, we hold that on our website. And then you have someone that, you know, is maybe the next level down and they want to read a paragraph and see something like maybe a GOT certification thrown in that paragraph. And then you have someone that really wants something as clear as our goal is to be circular and regenerative. Uh, That sort of layering approach has really helped us. Mm. But what I can really hear you say, Maggie, is you've taken circular not just part of your purpose and your mission, but into actual product development um, and Mm. into a dedicated collection so that customers can see what that means for them, what the benefit of that is for them. And I I I think that's super cool. Yeah, sorry, about the circular economy, you know, it's not enough to sustain what we currently have. Our planet is sick, we need to regenerate. And so I think that's a really clear part of our messaging is that our goal is not to just be circular, but it is to ultimately be regenerative. Mm, So what does being regenerative mean to you, Maggie? Yeah, big (laughs) question. Um, Are we burying all your clothes in the soil, darling? (laughs) <laughs> after oh, we've finally hope, passed I them down not. I'd hate to see my beautiful I know, I know I think really it is about restoring and regenerating ecosystems and all aspects of our supply chain I think the, the really interesting part of our journey is when I set out and decided that I wanted to build a traceable and transparent brand. I didn't know anything about the circular economy or about regenerative practices, nothing. I didn't learn that at university um, and that what really wasn't my intention from the beginning. I think it's so, so interesting, the journey that I've been on, but how absolutely pivotal it was to demand uh, radical transparency in our supply chain because there's no way that we ever could have try to build a circular product if we first of all didn't understand and know every tear in our supply chain and then to to put one layer upon that how can we aim to be regenerative if we don't if we can't trace back to source you know the fact that we have relationships with the farmers of you know where our cotton is growing and where our wool our merino wool is growing ultimately then we can really work alongside them to to build better practices I think it's pretty scary some facts out there around, you know, the fact that we only have 60 harvests left of topsoil. I don't actually know why that's not standard across the news every night because I find it terrifying personally. So really working back down the supply chain on increasing soil sequestration and um, that's always a bit of a tongue twister. Mm, You Um, got it though, you got it. Yeah, and rebuilding biodiversity. So I think that that's actually something that I'm really, really excited about at the moment. Mm. 
At Circularity, we help businesses unlock the circular economy opportunity. We're driven by the belief that together we can create a thriving economy within our planetary boundaries. This podcast has been designed to connect a community of passionate changemakers on a mission to achieve this. We would so appreciate if you could review and share this podcast. The more ears who hear it, the faster we can initiate the change. For more information on what we do here at Circularity, head to circularity.co.nz. Out of all of this journey, what's what's the biggest lesson you've learned that you could share with our our listeners as they embark on their journeys? Oh, that's a big question. And this this journey is challenging. You know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I think that gosh, there are days where you just ask yourself, you know, are are the mountains actually too high? And having a purpose, you know, whenever a new designer or someone talking to me about a new business idea, I always say, what is your purpose for for being in business? You know, I think that that's always really been my guiding light and my northern star, knowing, and that might grow and develop as Maggie Marilyn does, but I've always known why I'm in business and it is to absolutely create a better world that has helped me get through some really tough days. Fantastic. I think that's just incredible life advice full stop Maggie <laughs> it's amazing um, oh, I hope so. we always end on this final question so we call it flip the Q&A and we're wondering if you have any questions for us do you think it's possible to rebuild our industry into one that's circular and regenerative Great question, Lou. Do you, I'll hand over to you. Find myself time to think. Uh, I was I was raised as an optimist, Maggie. So I, I live on the side of hope, um, and also this idea of human potential. There mm, is a way. There beautiful. is, you know, there, absolutely. It's just we've got to find the coalition of the willing, and we've got to work together on it, and plug the gaps, yeah. and take the learnings forward, and mm. and bring everyone. You know, wrap our hearts and our arms around it. Yeah. Beautiful. What do you reckon, Anna? I love that. Thank you for being an optimist. Mm, totally. And I think if there's no hope, then we truly are pretty screwed. But I, I think, absolutely. I think we can absolutely, we can absolutely make it as well. And I think it's because the key to transforming this industry, like it is with many others, is that we we're just reverting back to an ancient wisdom that I think is certainly within so many indigenous cultures that we have today, but. In fact, I think it is inherent in us as humans. We know mm. you wouldn't just throw rubbish on your backyard. We'd want to clean mm. it up. We're, we really are built to be, A, sustainable, but actually be regenerative. It's within us. So yeah. it's just about yeah. aligning all the in- incentives for us to realise mm. our own intuition. Oh, yeah. Beautiful innovation that our industry needs, but also looking to the past for the answers as well. Mm. Yeah, we, we often say walking backwards into the future, Maggie. Yes. Um, mm, I uh, love that. Oh, oh yeah, gosh, well, you got that, that is... one. You could use that. Oh, I, I, I I'd like to see that. it show I'll, up. I'll, I'll give you a shout-out. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Love uh, that. Right back at you. Um, well, hey, thanks so much, Maggie. We've had you for just an enormous amount of time, and I know you're under huge pressure and juggling lots of things there. Um, so, you know, really thank no, you so it was much. A pleasure. I really enjoyed it. And mm. um 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Mm. I really appreciate it. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today and a big thank you to our guest and our fantastic team producing the redesign of everything. For more information about Circularity, the work that we do and how we can help your organisation, head to circularity.co.nz or find us on our social media channels listed in the show notes. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. And until next time, let's redesign everything.